what was the upside of this marketing campaign? Yeah, I don't. The yeah. upside was very limited. If, even in a, even if it was receptive, right? You know, even if the market was receptive, the the upside to this was was very limited, and the downside was 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 huge. Um, so this this marketing VP just did not calculate her her risk reward ratio at all on this. Um, so it it backfired. They learned, and now they have to do damage control because their competitors are now are now nibbling at them. Hello, and welcome to the Angel Research Podcast. I'm your host today, Jason Freer, and I'm here with founder and president of Angel Publishing, Brian Hicks. Hey, Jason. Thanks for joining me. You just got back from Florida? I did, yeah. I was there for about a week. Playing some pickleball down there? Played a lot of pickleball. Um, Weather was beautiful, and... uh, yeah, we try to play. My wife and I try to play every day, and uh, you know, we, the 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 gym that we play at just built twenty four pickleball courts, and we played on this one Saturday. And I swear, and uh, you know, usually uh, most people play doubles, and so there's four pe- you know four people on a court, and so times twenty four that was probably fifty people, and there was probably another fifty people waiting to get on the courts. And uh, I have a funny story about that, to be honest with you. Pickleball is exploding. It's exploding. So the gym that we go to, you have to reserve the court, and you usually reserve it for about an hour or two hours. But on this day, on Saturday, um, because the the demand was so high, you could only reserve it for an hour. So we're on the court with another couple playing, and then I guess the next group of people who were going to take our court came a little early. And um, if looks could kill, you know, I'd be dead. This old guy, he was probably about 80 years old. All he did was just stare me up and down. And I was, I was, I asked him, I was like, well, are you next? And we had it until like 12 o'clock, I think it was. So we had it from 11 to 12. And it was, it was only, you know, uh, 1150. And for those 10 minutes, the, the remaining 10 minutes, all he did was just, just give me this, like, the Brits call him a git, which means a, a, just a grumpy old dude. <laughs> well, I'm sure Florida has a lot of grumpy old dudes. Oh, a ton. But, you know, I was like, you know, dude, you're in Florida. It's beautiful out. You know, you're playing pickleball. Just relax. You, you've been in Florida for a while now, or at least own property down there. The pi- pickleball is a, a new phenomenon. What did people do before, right? Like, Tennis? They play tennis and golf. Um, in Longbow Key, where my house is, and you've been to my house in Longbow Key, um, at the very south end of the island is something called the uh, the Longbow Longbow Key Country Club, and they have a you know, it's a country club, and they have a big big golf course. Um, but now there's a fight going on because uh, members of the club want to build pickleball courts, <laughs> and so now there's like this turf battle between the tennis players, the golf the golfers. And now these newly minted pickleball players, and um, it's probably going to go to court. But the whole point is, is that um, I just read something last week. I think um, there's a huge imbalance on courts to players. For there's 110 pickleball players for every one court that exists in the United States. So um, you know, companies that build pickleball courts, I've I've been told have a backlog that's like over a, a year old 
Well, you can at least fit you can at least fit two pickleball courts in the space of one tennis court, right? Yeah, it Roughly. might even be more. I think you, it might yeah. even be three. Yeah, every tennis court, I actually make it a point now when I see it around locally, I, I look at and pretty much 99% of them have the the pickleball lines on each side of it too. So you can tell they were like doubling it, trying to repurpose a tennis court. It's like for, for pickleball. Pickleball real estate is like a gold mine right now. Um, and I just think this is this is really just in the beginning phases because it used to be you know it used to be an old person sport, so it was it was unusual to see somebody below fifty on a pickleball court in Florida. Now you see teenagers, you see twenty and thirty somethings. So the the upside to the pickleball market. So is so, so how do we, how do we play this the pickleball boom? What, is there a stock? <laughs> what are the main like apparel like? Come is there like custom? You know like I don't know what's for tennis. Um, you know I guess like Nike and stuff get get into this game. But like you know there's certain companies that are big into golf. You know Callaway. You know these brands. Yeah. Is there like a pickleball like Under Armour? I don't know. Um, you know I read something in 2001. There was only one carbon fiber paddle available. Now there's like 110 <laughs> different brands, right? Um, so there's there's a, right now it, it's it's all, it feels like a frenzy. Um, I haven't found I haven't found a way to 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 play the pickleball market. If I were to be really cynical, I would say find um, robotic surg- surgeons that do hip replacement and knee replacement <laughs> because the injuries from these older people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that yeah, that's going to be uh, uh, ro- robotics in general. I think are going to be not just from pickleball, but just you know the aging population. But so the market, I think that's probably it too. I mean, every like we still got what ten thousand baby boomers retiring like yeah. every day or something. So they gotta they gotta have something to uh, to do. They can't all play golf. Yeah, I mean the market is very fragmented right now. Like the, the, the top pickleball ball is made by Franklin, um, but they're you know. But everybody's in that paddle space, like Head, um, Franklin, and a bunch of other names. You, you so like the tennis, like the tennis, like the you know, because those are like tennis brands, right? Yeah, and um, I read something. There's 50 million pickleball players worldwide right now. So just multiply that. Think about the scalability about that. You know, you have this enti- this huge market, and if they all buy balls, I mean, it's gonna, it's, it's, it. The, this market is just. Right. What's a what's a pickleball ball feel like? I don't think I. It looks is, like a it looks like a, a wiffle ball, but it has um, um, sort of uniform holes all around it. So does do they like crack? Do they break? You got to reuse them a lot. Sometimes they crack, and sometimes they just they they become dead balls. Right. Um, like tennis balls can become dead balls. So you're constantly using you you're constantly buying new ones, nice. and. You know me. You know, once I latch onto a hobby and I like it, I go all in. Right now, I probably have about two thousand dollars worth of paddles in my house, <laughs> and my wife finally, finally said, "Look, that's it. No more, no more new paddles." So, I'll use these for the next few years until the next, you know, the next great paddle comes out. Nice. So while you were down in Florida, we had a, you know, news broke um, of uh, I, I don't know what we would call it. Other than five billion dollars um, being wiped off of um, 
Anheuser Busch InBev after um, I, I don't even I don't even know exactly what happened, but they, they partnered with a with somebody that people didn't like, and it, it sort of blew up in their face. So yeah, um, and this is all part of this whole ESG movement. ESG uh, is an acronym for um, which means environmental, social, and governance. And for the first time in my lifetime, um, uh, the government is is considering U.S. corporations like profit is secondary now, whereas the the primary goal of a U.S. company is uh, social good. And I don't think those two are mutually exclusive. I think profits actually produce social goods. Um, and so what you happen, there's this, this huge trend, and uh, Biden's ESG law just got implemented uh, maybe like a month or two ago, where um, money managers of uh, retirement accounts can now consider um, an EAG, uh, ESG score on the on the investments they make, um, but they don't they don't have to though, right? They don't have to, but but let's we're let's not get ahead of ourselves on this. Um, we just talked about what I consider uh, mission creep in the investment world, right? Okay, so right now you don't have to invest in companies with either a good ESG score or a bad ESG score. And there's like three governing bodies out there that rate, com- rate companies based on their ESG. Um, but you could see that the, the foundation, the groundwork is being laid for later for there to actually be mandatory, like 5% of your account has to be in ESG stocks that have a rating of above whatever, whatever it is. And it's, I mean, it sounds like that, is the plan, and I guess people are trying to get out ahead of it. What I don't understand is what is the incentive for a company like Budweiser to do? Like, did they actually think that that was going that was a, a good marketing strategy? Because I, I guess they like I, I don't think they fired the person who did it, but they they put them on leave or whatever they left or, or whatever. Like, was it just a bad just a bad marketing thing, or did they? It's like, going to be a case study of the worst marketing <laughs> campaign of the last 20, 30 years. And I'll explain why. That marketing campaign violated almost every rule of good marketing. Okay. Um, so they they partnered up with this social media influencer. Yeah. I didn't even know who it was. I just saw the name trending on, on Twitter. Right. And um, they promoted uh, Bud Light during March Madness. And if you look at the, the marketing campaign, um, the influencer basically said uh, they had no idea what March Madness was. So right there, at the get-go, you're already behind. You're already behind. Um, and the one thing they did, the one thing this... So I'm not a, I'm not a big beer drinker anymore. Um, I haven't been for a while. And so I'm not loyal to any brand whatsoever. Right. You know, I make my decisions on what beer I'm going to drink that day based on my mood, the weather, the how, holiday season. How accessible it is. Right. So one day I might drink Guinness. One day I might drink uh, Blue Moon. One day I might drink the Thai beer Singha. I don't have a particular brand that I'm loyal to. But I can guarantee you that Bud Light has a has a loyal a loyal brand following. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 
you know, the whole Bud Light versus Miller Light is like the Coke and Pepsi of the of the beer world. Right. I guess you could throw Coors Light in there. I don't know. They're, I feel like they're like third. So that campaign violated like one of the the the, the primary rules of marketing. Don't give your your loyal brand members an excuse to go somewhere else. And they did. So that's what happened. And, you know, I feel like, especially alcohol, you don't really need to, like, target a specific group to include. They're going to drink alcohol regardless of what, you know. Yeah, it was kind of strange because I, 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 when I dug into it, you know, it wasn't just like it, – it was like a tick. TikTok, like social media. So I think they partnered with other, they were trying to like, I guess, sort of pander or cater to each individual sort of subsect of it, um, which I guess in theory targeted marketing is is effective. Uh, you know, we do targeted marketing towards, you know, investors or people that, you know, are interested in the stock market. It makes sense. But when you're dealing with something like beer, um, it's a, it's kind of a broad market appeal, right? Well, I think they, I mean, I think the market they were trying to target was already a market that was already maybe drinking their beer or would never drink their beer. Right. So, and all they Yeah, they was, said basically, oh, Bud Light had to, had a reputation for, being hey, a, a frat like guy. frat guys, like, which, I mean, sure, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a light beer, you know, you aren't like, you're drinking it when you're tailgating, you know, you're not like... You know, it, 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 what was the frat beer when we were in college? Uh, natural light. No, oh, it's pro- you're probably before me. Then. Before, yeah, Milwaukee's, Milwaukee's best. best. Yeah, which is beast. Also the they, beast. They <laughs> called it beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. That and that was oh, that was disgusting. Um, but imagine Milwaukee's best, like trying to target like specific groups like that, and and and, and violating, violating its brand. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, you know the comp the, the company's stock took a hit, um, but the worst thing this marketing campaign did is what it gave its it gave Bud's competitors a blueprint of what to never do. Yeah, they just got ammo. Yeah, they got a bunch of ammo to to right. come at. I mean, there were so many memes uh, coming around, and I guess you could argue, hey, it's like publicity, like no bad publicity, but it does it does seem to be what. What's your take, too, on just, like, the speed of the the sort of thing? So, like, you know, we found out yesterday, like, Tucker Carlson left Fox News, right? And I think they said, um, like, a, I don't know how much. It was, like, half a billion dollars. was. It wasn't a mu- as much as uh, Anheuser-Busch, but, like, half a billion dollars, like, off of market cap like that. Like, what's your take on just these wild swings? Are they sometimes opportunities? Like there are opportunities, but uh, I would I would say that um, um, the Tucker Carlson Carlson and we, we still don't know exactly what happened, but it seems like he would got fired. It seemed like, and they kind of just gave him a, a a way to part ways. And with, you know, on the market ceremony. did not know it. There was no indication Mm-mm. in the market that they knew that yeah, this was coming. Because the Anheuser-Busch thing, that was $5 billion was over a span of like a week. Right. You know, it wasn't just like instant. This is like instantly like news just hitting uh, of – and I guess that's a big deal because he's a big property for them. It would be – Always. It, he had know. over 3 million viewers on that 8 p.m. slot. 
So, look, Budweiser is going to be fine. They're a huge company. I mean, Bud Light is just one small segment of their of their product line. They have over 500 different, you know, brews. Um, they'll be fine. And plus, if they come out and make sort of some sort of, you know, act of contrition, which they've already started doing. Um, yeah, I guess the, the main CEO tried to pretend like he didn't know what was going on. I didn't even know what was going on with this. You know, he may not have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. I think I think the more, I guess, concerning or the thing that people are, they're tying what happened with Budweiser to sort of a larger thing that seems to be happening. Because we talked about ESG, and the, but these are like, these are companies that are making this isn't like they're not as far as i know they're not following any sort of law that like they're actively choosing to sort of do these things and i guess it was maybe a mistake but there's some other stuff with just like the pandering of i mean nike got a little bit it was not nearly less bud light but like doing the colin kaepernick thing which isn't like as you know the, the whole idea of like hey big companies need to go woke in order to keep up like it, it, what's is, the primary directive of a company if i'm your shareholder right. at budweiser what do, as a shareholder what do i want to see yeah you want to see profits you want to see profits yeah so they think that these things are going to drive profits and they are just i mean that was just a swing and a miss like i i guess we could provide some other examples of ones that maybe it worked. I mean, I guess you could argue the Nike thing actually actually worked. Like, I mean, my question is, you know, in an ideal world, if, if you know, what was the upside of this marketing campaign? <laughs> yeah, I don't... The yeah. upside was very limited. If, even in a... Even if it was receptive. Right. You know, even if the market was receptive, the, the upside to this was, was very limited. And the downside was, was, was huge. Um, so this, this marketing VP just did not calculate her, her risk reward ratio at all on this. Um, so it, it backfired, they learned, and now they have to do damage control because their competitors are now, are now nibbling at them. So, I mean, you've been passing around a couple of stories about, um, you know, the, I guess you would call it's the environmental side of ESG going people going after oil companies, um, you know, deflating tire. It seems like every other week you're um, telling me about somebody yelling at you when you're riding in your jeep about, you know, I don't know. Well, it hasn't happened, it hasn't happened to me in a while because <laughs> you've been in Florida. <laughs> it was like six months ago, I guess it was, and you know, I was, and I live in a rural, rural country part of Maryland. So it's pretty, let's just say it's conservative. And, you know, I'm driving my, my Jeep Wrangler, which is, you know, lifted and, you know, the whole nine yards. And I'm at a stop, I'm at a stop sign. And this young lady in a much smaller car was making a turn, blue hair, of course. And she just screams out the window, fuck you. <laughs> it's like, okay. Or something, something like that. And um, so I knew it had to be, you know, because, uh, you know, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was just, you know, sitting at a stop sign. Oh, you were killing the environment. I was killing the environment with my Jeep. Yeah. And uh, I mean, yesterday, the um, city, I think it was Citibank and Bank of America were vandalized by climate 
activists. For real, I didn't. I didn't read that. Y- yeah, so they they had like their headquarters were spray painted, um, something about climate, uh, no more oil. So so that's that seems to be the sort of tactic too, is to like, hey, we're gonna go after banks. We're gonna kind of, you know, sort of shame these corporations. So it, I guess, in a way you know, some of these things that they're doing are trying to placate some of these, you know, sort of activists. Well, the, the beauty about the, the what were they called? Um, uh, extinction something, this group uh, that vandalized the tires in Boston and all around actually the globe. They, they, they hit 11,000 cars. So they went around and deflated tires of what they considered to be gas-guzzling SUVs. What they didn't realize was probably all those people who had those gas-guzzling SUVs were probably members of AAA. And so they had to call AAA to come and inflate their tires. And AAA comes in trucks. <laughs> so They all drove out separately in their big trucks to, to, to help the tires get replaced. Right. So, um, yeah, what, like, I just, um, we we were talking about this earlier about, um, just where is this all heading, right? Because, you know, it it seems good to, um, you know, want to save the environment. Okay, great. And want to, like, do that. But, but, like, what's, what's the next step of, like, Biden's ESG law? What is... So, you know, I just got, I was in Thailand several weeks ago, and um, not, to, not to call out Thailand, but the pollution there was crazy. And it's nothing, like America's pollution uh, is, is, is no way near what it, what it is in Asia. I think it's something like 90% of all the plastic that's in the ocean comes from like three rivers in China. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm cynical. I think this is a money grab, okay, by, 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 by capitalists in the United States. They see a market. You know, it's almost like oh, all the good oil and gas assets, all the good profits are, are over with. They were, go- they were gone decades ago. Now we've got to find something else to, to capitalize on, and we're going to capitalize on green energy. So, and it really changes with whatever administration is in office. Uh, during, during Trump, you know, it was – Drill, drill, drill. Uh, under Biden, it's, you know, it's, uh, we're still drilling, but it's just not as, as aggressive and as exciting um, as it was before. So it depends on the administration. It depends, it's, it's, it really is just, it's just, it's that. It, it, it could change. It could change on a dime in 2024. Um, but having said that, you know, you know, electric vehicles are here to stay, I think. So, and that's going to, there's going to be a massive infrastructure investment in all the things that we need to mine uh, for electric vehicles. And all that's going to take, it takes fossil, fossil fuels to mine all those minerals and metals. Yeah, there seems to be a catch-22 with that where, like, to do all this cool new technology stuff, you need materials to make it happen. Right. Um, and people, I guess, don't want to just look, you know, they, they don't want to know where it's coming from or, or, well, uh, I mean, of all those activists that deflated tires, how many do you think use 
they use smartphones, iPhones, and oh, sure, all and laptops, and yeah. and so all you know, all that all that technology is fossil fuel intensive. So there's a there's a lot of hypocrisy. There's a lot of like feel good stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like I'm I'm doing doing you know doing well by the environment by by doing this. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's all bullshit. So I mean, you're. At the end of the day, you're saying this ESG stuff is really just capitalism at work as well, it's but cap- just more like, I don't know, corporate sort of cronyism of like, hey, we, you know, we're investing in these types of deals. They're trying to basically buy and then push people in that direction because they think it's going to help them make money. My fear is that ESG is going is, is a pretext. It's going to be used as a pretext for a more sinister system down the line, and that's going to be a social credit system. So if, for instance, five years from now, uh, the United States implements some sort of social credit system and I still own my Jeep, am I going to be penalized you're gonna be, for that? Like, you're going to be dinged. Am I going to be dinged? Um, what could they do, though? Well, you know, I'm of the age now where they can't do a whole lot. Um, but I feel for, like, the, the younger people who are going to have to maybe apply for a mortgage. And the bank has to go through n- not just their financial history, but their social history. And, and see if there's any red flags there. And if, uh, if some of these young people have cars that are deemed bad for the environment... They might have to pay a higher, higher mortgage rate, or they might have to pay more when they're, you know, for the down payment for the mortgage, or their credit cards get confiscated. Um, so, you know, the, all kinds of scenarios run through our heads, and that's what we do here. You know, as you know, at Angels, we 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 look at all the various scenarios of what possibly could happen. We hope some of the worst things don't happen, but it's you. You always have to be prepared for what if and that's that's one of the things that we we teach here is like the time to buy gold isn't when there's riots in the streets it's when there's peace that's the time you know there's always saying john f kennedy said uh the time to repair a, a broken roof is when the sun's out so that's our philosophy here as well um the time to 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 get your house in order is when there's there's peace and calm right so what's your what's your top in investments right now? We we had a I think it wasn't last time last time we were on there you had a prediction I forget where it was for the stock market. There's actually been a lot of interest on on that online. Just call people, me out. Well, well, I don't know. What do you? Th- I it, it was a 2023 prediction. So I mean it's it's April. <clears throat> like it doesn't you know what I mean? I mean those predictions don't look. I mean I made a lot of predictions. <laughs> uh and uh, right now, I, 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 you know, I'm sticking by my predictions, um, maybe a little bit, maybe tempered. Um, but some of my other predictions really, really exceeded what I predicted. Like, for instance, uh, uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. Bitcoin, when I said the Bitcoin, when cryptocurrency was bottoming, um, that was in November, mid-November. It's basically, it, it, you know, it, it basically doubled from right. there. Uh, same with gold. Uh, gold is up about 20% since that, that recommendation. Um, and you know, you know me, Jason. I, I, I'm a big dividend investor. I, yeah. I, 
In fact, I very rarely these days just buy buy stocks solely for their capital appreciation. I'm looking for one either just dividends or both capital appreciation and dividends. So, any particular sector? Oh, I'm <laughs> glad you I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> so I brought my I brought my dividend statements just to prove to you um, how well I do in dividends. And so these this is the last Sarah. Maybe we can get a we can get a a, a zoom in on that. See that I've highlighted all the uh, some of my favorite dividend payers, and they are all either oil and gas drillers or they are oil and gas transportation companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for instance, uh, you can maybe see right there, Fling, FLNG, that is an LNG transportation tanker company that ships, their, ships LNG all across, all across the globe. And last month, you know, they paid me $1,000 just to own them. So, um, and that comes in every month. Uh, well, not all of them, not all of them, but I mean, if you see this, I mean, right there is a check for about 4,400 bucks. Um, and I get several checks a month and there's another one for 600. So it's not unusual for me to per month to make anywhere from 5,000 to seven to $8,000 a single month. Um, sometimes they're bigger, sometimes they're smaller, but they're pretty consistent. So, and you can still participate. How have the stocks done in, in, in the actual stock price of those since you've owned them? Or do you not even look at it? Um, I do look at them. Um, uh, you know, some of them are down, some of them are even, some of them are, but you're basically getting paid while you wait for it to go back up. Right. And I'm a long-term investor in, in these, these companies. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at short-term uh, gyrations in the market. I'm, you know, I'm looking at, you know, three, five, seven years out. So um, I'll be sitting, I'll be sitting pretty, pretty good with these. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. All right. Thanks for joining us today, and uh, we'll see you next time.